With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You're listening to MLB.com Extras, brought to you by MLB.tv. It's baseball everywhere. Hey everyone, welcome to MLB.com Extras. I'm Alexa Dat, and today we're talking Nats baseball. We bring in our Nationals reporter for MLB.com, Jamal Collier. Jamal, latest news is that the Nationals are interested in a few Marlins. They're continuing fire sale down there in Miami. Uh, Nats are looking at JT Realmuto and Christian Yelich. How strong are those interests? Yeah, well, I mean, first off, uh, Realmuto makes a lot of sense for the Nats. I mean, you look at a team that's pretty set in most of their positions, but the one kind of clear need they have or a clear place they could upgrade would be catcher. And Realmuto is one of the best hitting catchers in baseball. Um, you know, he, he's a guy who's young and affordable, and he would just kind of make a lot of sense if you could put him on this in this Nats lineup. And you're really talking about one through eight, a team with no holes. You know, if he can put him uh, there behind the plate and maybe compliment him with weeders or potentially move weeders. But, uh, you know, th- that that is a strong interest, I think, uh, for the Nationals. It makes a lot of sense. They checked in on him at the winter meetings. Uh, got a, At that point, the Marlins didn't plan on moving him. Since then, they've kind of a little bit changed their tune and are willing to listen to some offers here. But um, it would take a, a pretty substantial haul to get him. I think that's kind of what the roadblock is, is, you know, for a guy like Renuto, who, like I said, is young, um, does have the years of control and has been so good. A lot of teams are going to be interested. The Marlins are going to want a really good prospect back especially after the couple of trades they had with Stanton and uh, Ozuna, you know, were really the prospects weren't necessarily the focus. You're going to have to give up a pretty good prospect. And whether the Nats are willing to part with a guy like Victor Robles or Juan Soto, one of those top guys, um, would kind of be the big kind of the decision here whether they're willing to go to that price. And I'm not necessarily sure they're there yet. Um, you're looking at a guy like Rio Mutor, even Yelich as well. Um, Yelich is a little bit different. Obviously, the Nats don't have a, a need for him. They have their outfit is pretty set. Um, but when you have a guy who's as good as he is and as young as he is and, and has years of control, it could be enticing to the Nats uh, for that reason as well. But Jamal, the craziest part about this is that we're hearing that the Marlins want three minor leaguers and an MLB starter for each player, not for both, but for each. Could the Nats actually afford a mega deal to get both of these guys in exchange for six minor leaguers and two MLB starters? Yeah, I mean, I, I think on one hand, the Nats are one of the few teams who actually have those kind of pieces. You, know, you look at the, they have the, the top sort of prospects, Robles, Soto, or guys who are, are you know top 50 or so prospects that people would be interested in. They have guys, potentially Michael Taylor, you can move. Um, if you move a guy like Matt Weeders or you move – you know, somebody else, uh, maybe on your starting ro- rotation or something, you have pieces there that, that they could potentially make that deal make sense. It's just about what exactly the Nats would be willing to pay, uh, especially for a guy like Yelich, who would be a bit of a luxury um, and something that you don't necessarily need. And, and, and even to an extent, you're mute. So he'd definitely be an upgrade. He definitely um, could use that you know, sort of new catcher. But, you know, do they go and, and pay that sort of price for, for you know, a guy when, when they already have this kind of money committed to a catcher? I'm not necessarily sure they'd willing to go that, go that far. They definitely have the pieces that could make that work. Well, and the fact that Victor Robles is even being mentioned is a little scary for Nationals fans because he's been so highly touted and hyped and, you know, they've been excited to see what he could do so far. Is that something they would actually move Robles? 
I, I will say this, um, you know, you never say never, obviously, but, you know, based off of, from the winter meetings, Rizzo was asked about this and, and just based off the two just that I'm getting from people in the organization, it would be very difficult to see a scenario where they would move Victor Robles. Um, you know, the, you know, we've heard about the hype about him. We, we saw what he did in that kind of limited action, making the majors last year and, and for the final month of the season, making his way onto the playoff roster. And, you know, he's a guy who has, has been touted as one of the outfielders of the future, whether it be in center field or, or wherever it might be. Um, he makes so much sense, obviously, with him. Uh, you know, you have him as insurance for Michael Taylor this year. You know, whether or not Bryce Harper is on your team after this next season. Um, you know, you have Robles waiting in the wing potentially to take that spot. So it just – it would be very difficult to see a scenario where they would move him um, and they definitely would not do it lightly so I think that um, I would read a little bit easy and think that, that it would you know it would take a lot of convincing or something would have to happen to trade him um, but it's something that you know we've seen their window is is right now and their their time does kind of strike is right now and I think if they feel this trade makes them that much better I, I, you know we saw last year with the way they kind of moved prospects kind of a little bit out of the norm for them that um, they realize that there's their chance to win is right now and, and you know maybe they can make that move. Jamal, you sent a tweet out that made me smile as I'm looking out my window here and watching uh, it seemed like the world end. But Nats fans, to get our mind off the snow, pitchers and catchers report to spring training on February 14th. So it's right around the corner. Let's talk about this rotation. One through four is pretty set with Scherzer, Strasburg, Gio, and Tanner Roark. They were looking to potentially acquire a fifth starter in free agency, but let's say they go with an in-house candidate. What's their opening day rotation look like? Yeah, you know, if I had to predict that right now, as far as the way things set up, AJ Cole really finished the year pretty strong last year. Um, he's a guy who's out of options. He's kind of went up and down and bounced around the minor leagues um, over the, the the past couple of seasons between the minors and majors. And I think that they saw the stride, those strides in him he made over his last six or so starts where he had about a three ERA. I think if you had to start the season right now, they probably feel more comfortable starting the season with AJ Cole in that fifth starter spot with potentially Eric Fetty ready to kind of take his uh, you know, potentially move into that rotation if something were to happen, you know, uh, later on in the season. But uh, I think with Cole did that last, you know, handful of starts there over the last month or so of the season, um, kind of really improved his stock with the organization and they feel pretty good um, about his potential going forward. All right, sounds good. Let's talk about this lineup. Now that Adam Eaton is back and he is healthy, it's going to be interesting to see where he fits into this lineup and uh, how it all shakes out. Where do you see him batting and then how does the rest of the lineup uh, unfold? I'm actually pretty inter interested in how the lineup is going to go. Obviously, got a new manager in Dave Martinez, and he said he one is a guy who learned under Joe Madden, and we know Joe Madden was known to get creative with his lineups at time from time to time. And I think that you know uh, Dave Martinez has said over the last couple of months since he's gotten his job that he's jotted down a bunch of different lineups and a bunch of different kind of ways these guys all fit in. The one thing we do know about this is that he does feel like Adam Eaton is going to be the leadoff hitter. Um, so I think that you'll see Eaton probably at number one for the most part, at least to start the year. Um, but you know where everybody else falls in. Does he hit Bryce second? Does he you know hit him down at third? Uh, Anthony Rendon was a, a kind of a popular. Where does he slot into that lineup? Will we see the pitcher hitting eighth? Um, you know the, the names are pretty much set. The Nats have pretty much got everybody you know settled into what positions they'll be. But you know how these guys stack up is going to be kind of pretty fun to see exactly uh, how Martinez kind of sees this all you know stacking up. Um, and I think during spring training will be kind of the first glimpse of that where you'll see him probably try a bunch of different lineups and a bunch of different scenarios. Where does Trey Turner fit into that? You know, as well as kind of an interesting one um, that I think that you know, I'll, I'll be I'll be looking forward to watching that in spring training to see how he you know has a different lineup out there every day. If you're the Nats manager, give me your lineup as it stands right now. Man, 
All right, put me in a hot seat here. Uh, I would I would probably go with Eaton Turner one two, Rice, uh, Rendon, Murphy Zimmerman. That kind of breaks up the righty lefty matchup there. I think pretty much one through six, and then you can put. Uh, I think you have Weeders. I may go Weeders pitcher hitting eighth, and Michael Taylor hitting ninth. That's where I'd probably go. Yeah. Wow. That's interesting. Why Taylor so far down? Uh, I think that he, with the power and speed combo, I like him a lot as a, in that second leadoff spot, um, you know, more so than him hitting, you know, seventh or eighth and kind of being not somewhat buried, but kind of just being somewhat in that mix there. I, I like him as a second leadoff hitter. I think that that's a chance for him to kind of get some good pitches to hit and, and, and really make an impact. But um you know, I'd probably try that and see where it goes and be willing to adjust if not. Okay, sounds good. Let's move on to the bullpen. We've got uh, Kinsler, Madsen, and Doolittle, the little law firm there, top relievers for this team, seven, eight, nine guys. How do they bridge the gap, though, from these dominant starters to, you know, uh, this kind of uh, team that they've assembled or that they assembled last year at the trade deadline? Uh, the biggest issue for them was bridging the gap. What's going to change from, you know, this year that they weren't able to do last year? Well, I'll say this. This is probably the best Nats bullpen that they've had in January in the last couple of years. <laughs> because it's normally at this point we're questioning, well, who's going to close and who's going to pitch the eighth and who's going to do this? And that's pretty settled right now. And I think that that's a, a testament to, you know, the trades they made and retaining Brandon Kinsler that, you know, for once they feel really good about the, their end of the bullpen right now. Um, there are some question marks, mainly with health. Sean Kelly and, and Coda Glover are the two biggest ones. Um, and if those guys, at least one of them can can be healthy and, and really give them a the kind of performance they've seen from Coda and glimpses. Um, if they saw from Sean Kelly a couple of years ago when he was when he was more healthy than last year, um, that's gonna be a really, you know, a big weapon that goes to the back of that bullpen as well to help kind of get and, and bridge the gap there. Um, I think they feel confident with Sammy Solis. Another guy who's had some health question marks, but um, they feel good about him and, and, and any Ramirez from the left side as well. So they've got some options. They've got some guys who fit into that the bullpen roles and I think will be able to make an impact. Um, the question is just with health with a lot of those guys. But they can get a couple of those guys healthy and become a little more reliable. Um, then I think their bullpen is going to stack up pretty well. Any questions about Kinsler, Matson, and Doolittle over the full season? You know, not not really. It's, now, I think that's going to be – they have to figure out how to manage them because now if we talk about health issues, Matson um, and, and, and more recently Doolittle have had some some, some arm injuries in the, in the past. And I think that um, one of the things I thought that they did pretty well at the end of last year – now, Doolittle pitched a lot kind of at the end of the year. But um, for a while, they were not throwing those guys too – and when you have all three of them, you don't have to necessarily rely on them for three in a row or, or four out of five too much early in the season because if you need if Doolittle's pitch back-to-back days you can give him a day off and use Madsen as your closer you know if, if both those guys have pitched a lot you can slide Kinsler into, into your you know into the closing role because he's uh, done it before has experience in that role so I think that you know if you balance the three of them and give guys days off and, and don't use them all all the time and especially when you have starters that will probably pitch deep into the game like they do they should be able to manage it well enough to kind of hopefully you know lessen the load a little bit on these guys arm but um yeah i mean it's a good point you bring up that these guys also have a little bit of injury history but um you know i think they feel pretty good with the three of them back together they can kind of stagger it a little bit and uh you know lighten the workload on them 
All right. And uh, finally, as we wrap up the podcast here, Jamal, I'm going to ask you, and we've talked about this uh, a little while here for a couple of weeks, but what do you believe as we start the new year and we turn the calendar? I know that the Nats just ripped up their entire surface down there of the field trying to hopefully exercise some demons. What do you believe their New Year's resolution is for 2018? Yeah, I think the resolution is to definitely uh, win a playoff series. You know, if you want to start small there, it would be to, to at least get to the NLCS. Um, and kind of big picture would be that was, you know, bring the first World Series back to D.C. Um, and I think that, you know, they've made a lot of moves based off the end of the season. And, and every kind of move they've made has been geared on making another run um, at a team that thinks going to have a chance to win a championship. So, um, you know, the Nats are, are really going to be focused on October for this year. And I think that uh, the, the ride into it is going to be pretty interesting to see how they can get there and how far they can go. All right. Like you pointed out, the first full squad workout is February 21st. It can't come soon enough, man. The snow is killing me. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Jamal, thanks so much. That's going to do it for us here on MLB.com Extras. I'm Alexa Dapp. Big thanks to Jamal Collier, and we will talk to you next week.